Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey everybody! What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And tonight we're covering a film that I'm frankly surprised we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. And it's sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not surprised we haven't gotten to yet. Um, tonight we're going to talk about the 1982 mm-hmm. uh, Toby Hooper Spielberg shit show <laughs> uh, known as Poltergeist. And then we are jumping to 1986 for Poltergeist 2, mm-hmm. which is obviously not a the classic but... Spielberg joint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have to full disclosure, I've never seen three. Oh, three is. Is it delightful? I, in, you know what? <laughs> I like three. I say that I like three for one of the many reasons that I like a lot of, like, later movies and franchises, where Mm -hmm. it's like, I've seen that one a lot. Okay. That's one that came on TV a lot, so I remember, I remember that one, but that one also suffers from, like, the same thing that two suffers from, which we'll talk about, with Carol Ann being older. And less cute. Yeah, it's like that cute little kid thing is gone, and she's very much, uh, you know, almost like the preteen age, and it's like... I don't know, it's just weird. Like, it's just, it's not that cute little kid thing anymore, but that's, I mean, it also, it has, like, a ridiculous plot, and, I don't know, I think it's cool. I think you should check it out. It's on, um, I think Tubi. Oh, perfect. Tubi has it on for I know what I'm watching tonight! So, it's a little... Go into it with, you know, not this expecting, is the, right? This, not is the third, this is the third in a franchise. Got it. Kind got of it. movie. But. Um, yeah, no, and kids, it's not Heather O'Rourke's fault. Kids always get way less cute as they get older. I mean, yeah. I'm at that point with my daughters where one is like just turned 10, kind of not cute anymore. Like, I mean, she's adorable to me, but I can see how the rest of the world just sees her as a tween. Like, right. You I know? mean, we all get to that point, yeah, where we're like 10, 11 years right, old. You just get like gawky. And like, and... yeah, like the, the cute little kid thing mm-hmm. is going, you don't have a baby face anymore. Right. You can't get away with the shit you weird used to write. Puberty, like. Pre puberty. Like, people don't. People don't look at you like an adult yet, but you're also still a kid, but people don't think you're cute anymore. It's awkward. It's a weird It's stage. hard. Yeah, and like, what was endearing three years ago is now just annoying. You know uh, what I absolutely. mean? Like, so it's hard. It's hard to have a 10-year-old, for sure. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess well, let's get into some of the mythology behind, behind the scenes here. Because as big as Poltergeist of the film is, I feel like all of, like, the rumors and mythology of the deaths and everything are just as big. So I'd rather, yeah. if it's cool with you, I'd like to kind of dive in and do some yeah. myth bust in here. Let's do it. Yeah. So, okay, so the deaths were all very true. I mean, obviously the biggest one being uh, Heather O'Rourke's death from septic. Uh, she went septic when she had the flu. She went to the hospital yeah. for the flu and then died. Yeah. Which was weird. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I always have a hard time. Like, I get it. Like, the connection of she was in Poltergeist. But right. it's not like, it's not like, what was, Dominique, uh, Dominique Dunn? Dominique Dunn. Dominique who was, Dunn. Yeah, strangled by was, her boyfriend. Yeah, she was murdered pretty much a, a directly month, after. Yep, a month after the movie was done. The movie was done. Um, So, like, 
I get that we're connecting Heather O'Rourke, the star, to this quote-unquote poltergeist curse, mm-hmm. but it happened a while after. Because the other two deaths that are very short after the filming are for part two, and it's Julian Kane and Will Sampson, but both of them... So Will Sampson died after a botched heart and lung transplant, mm-hmm. which also happened right after the filming. But Julian Kane died from stomach cancer, which he was very obviously, in my opinion, suffering from from when he shot Poltergeist 2. The reason that he looked as... Scary. Gaunt and Ugh. just sickly is... Be- yeah, he was in like the, the final fun? stages of, of stomach cancer at that point. Dude, could but you that's... imagine being in the final stages of fucking stomach cancer and going to an acting like gig every day? What but it was fuck? his, I believe, his biggest role that he had ever had. But he was like a theater. Like I looked him up because I was like, why would he do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It was his biggest film role. But he was like a world renowned theater like uh, person from the 50s and 60s in New York. He like pioneered all these techniques for theater. So he so he, he was an been, actor. He was an he actor. He was, wasn't just an actor. He was an actor. actor. That's right. (laughs) And he was, like, really well-renowned in the theater Mm -hmm. world. So why he would do this, I mean, I don't know if it was, like, just a cash grab or what. I I, I don't know. Like, maybe if you, I mean, who knows? If it's one of those things where you've been, you know, you've conquered the stage and you want to go film and you've had small roles, small roles, and hey, do you want to play the lead villain in this Spielberg spinoff movie? Yeah, maybe. Like, I think maybe the drive could be there of just... (laughs) Kind of maybe checking something off a bucket yeah, list. Or, or maybe just getting some royalties for his family. Who knows? Who knows? All I know is when he walked into the makeup trailer, they must have been like, no, nah, our work is <laughs> done here, bro. Just a little powder. <laughs> yeah. Boop, boop. Put a little, put a little like, lip smackers on. Yeah. You're good. Out the door. You're good. You're like, good. <laughs> Jesus, he is the most ghoulish character yeah. with without any sort of special effect that I think I've ever known in cinema. Yeah. he. One of my first notes when we get to that movie is that like I feel like he is an underrated movie villain. An underrated horror villain. Cause oh my he, god, he's so scary. I mean, obviously, there are the bigger ones from bigger franchises that pop up on the list, but he, to the core, is so scary. And not just for the way that he looks, but, I mean, he his, his type of villain very much exists in the real world, with the whole religious... Oh, like zealot yeah. and like you yeah. have like, I mean, they have the fucking Jim Jones people yeah. like you you latch on and you find somebody and now it seems that in this movie unlike we're talking about two we're getting yes ahead of yeah, we are getting ahead of ourselves it yeah. seems like in this one that they followed him up to a point but then he he was like well now nah, you're staying with me like he's not letting them go yeah but the 90 year old guy who I could like sneeze and blow over tells me I'm not yeah. leaving. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, now nah, get out of my way, brother. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm gonna push this rock. Yeah. We're gonna go home. We're moving we're out. We're, we're getting out of here. But you know, you're right. We are we should we should digress. We are. Let's back, go back let's to go our back mythology to, to, here. To, to, to the original. Now yeah. yeah, now so the another thing that I thought was really cool was one of the biggest myths that the kid who played Robbie, Oliver Robbins, died, which as you know from because we watched both of them is not true. But fun fact there, Marissa's fun fact of the day. There's a lot of them in this episode of Morning You. He, while they were filming the clown scene, the animatronic arm on the clown malfunctioned, and he started actually being strangled in earnest. Oh. And they said they estimated that he would have been dead within two minutes while they were filming. Only uh, Spielberg had been watching from behind Toby Hooper, so he was able to see one of, like, the preview monitors, and he noticed that the kid was actually gasping. 
and he ran over and he like pulled the arm off. But Oliver, uh, Oliver Robbins says that he really almost died in the arms of that creepy clown. So in case you, that clown wasn't <laughs> creepy enough, something to, <gasps> something to chew on. Uh, yeah, that fuck. it like malfunctioned and almost killed him. So there are, and there were things on set like, um, what's her face? What's her facey? The mom. Oh, Joe Beth Williams. Yeah, Joe Beth Williams claims that the house that she had to live in during the filming of the first one, she kept, um, there was like this picture by her door that kept moving. They all had like Will Sampson, who plays the little Native American guy. Taylor. Taylor, thank you. He also claimed that during filming there was weird stuff going on. So there is a lot of, like, mythology behind it. Um, the other big thing as far as behind the scenes that we should talk about is Toby Hooper getting screwed over by Spielberg. <laughs> so, yeah, it, this is... So, it is not a Steven Spielberg-directed movie. Yes, it is. It a is. Produ- it, well, I'm saying on paper. <laughs> on paper. It right. is not. He, he wrote, wrote it. wrote it. He produced it. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen King was supposed to write it. Yeah. Yeah, and he turned it down. Wow. But yeah. Spielberg was, he was contracted to direct E.T. Correct. And because of that contract, could not direct Poltergeist. But being the megalomaniac that he is, word on the street is that he was at every single day of filming mm-hmm. and making all of the directorial choices. Poor Toby Hooper gets bought onto this and is supposed to be the, the like, run this film. And in my humble opinion, Toby Hooper actually directs We Have a Very Different Film. This is oh, not God, a Toby Hooper yeah. film. This is Spielbergian no, this, through and through. That is something we talked about earlier, is that the phenomenon of the Spielberg film, like, what is it about his films that are just... I mean, I guess it's just yeah. like, I guess, you know, if we skip 30 years back, you could tell a Hitchcock film a mile away. Yeah, he's an auteur through and You through. know, Spielberg just has that. He just touches movies and it is just so obviously a Spielberg movie. And this, I mean, has him all over it. And I agree 100%. You know, it's it, got like a Capra. Like, you know, like there's a couple of directors in history who have really been able to do it. Spielberg's definitely one of them. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. And it just, I, I would be curious to see what a Toby Hooper poltergeist would look like. Oh, it would have been so much darker. There would have been so much less, like, character development you yeah. know like there's something so charming and so spielbergian about these characters yeah and like the the ultimate feel goodness of it is to me what makes it spielberg well, go ahead i thought you got uh, yeah there were there it actually so it, uh, what you're saying is true because spielberg wanted this film to double feature with et Okay. And that means it had to be a PG film. It had to be way more kind of family friendly. In one of the, um, one of the drafts of the script, Carol Ann dies. Yeah. And is actually, like, the second act is her haunting the family. But again. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Again, that feels, and I mean, I say that feels more Toby Hooper, which, you know, full disclosure, my experience with Toby Hooper Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. and Creep Show, right? Creep Show, yeah. yeah. 
I was gonna say I, I can't. And he say- did. He did one. He did. Yeah. He did. He did, uh, he did two. He did Texas okay. Chainsaw two, which I know you're not a fan of. Uh, uh, okay. He did but- Salem's Lot. The the seventy. What? Yeah. The seventy. I've only. I've, I've also seen did stills. I've Fun never House. Seen it. You've seen Fun House. That one's creepiest. Ooh. I don't think I've seen Fun yeah, House. It's like the yeah. deformed guy, and he like goes out. Oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, like, so my my knowledge of Toby Hooper movies is not extensive at all. You've seen more Toby Hooper than you realize. Probably. But, yeah. Probably. But, um, yeah, like, I would have, it would have been, it would have been interesting to see what an actual Toby Hooper poltergeist looked like. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's curious to know, um, if, you know, if Spielberg did come in and just shove his Spielberg self in front of everything, or if he said, like, hey, I can't direct this and E.T. at the same time, but I really want to, you know, do me a solid and come just be the name on here. Like, you know. So I have a bunch of proof because it there has been a debate. I've read a lot of yeah. evidence about like, well, Toby really was in charge and, and Spielberg just got like a bad name and like he just produced. I have so much evidence to prove that Spielberg steamrolled Hooper. Evidence piece number one, Zelda Rubenstein said that she, she was on set for six days and all six days she only took direction from Spielberg. Hooper literally just sat there and said nothing. And this was towards the end of the shoot. And in her words, before she she died, she was like, I feel like Hooper was just defeated by that point. Then Jo Beth Williams also came out saying that she felt like most of the directorial choices were made by Spielberg. Although she said that towards the beginning of the shoot, Hooper was actively, you know, in Mm -hmm. in charge. Another thing was that... um, the dog, Ebuzz, mm-hmm. is named after Dan Aykroyd SNL character called Ebuzz Miller. It's like an art critic. I looked it up. It's like one of his old SNL characters. And apparently Spielberg had, uh, was close with Aykroyd at the time. And that's why they named the dog that. Which, again, it could have just been a writing choice. But still, my my last big piece of evidence was that Drew Barrymore allegedly killed her audition for Hooper for Carol Ann. Drew Barrymore was supposed to be Carol Ann, but when Spielberg saw it, he pulled her out of that and put her in E.T. He said that she wasn't right for Poltergeist. He needed somebody more innocent and sweet. Which, P.S., you don't get any more innocent and sweet than little baby, Gertie, Drew Barrymore, fucking national treasure. Um, Drew, call me. But, (laughs) I love her. I I would love to have her on the show. I can't see young Drew Barrymore and not think, uh, no, I'm saying, and not think of your youngest daughter. Oh, yeah. Like, Molly, I look, I, like, can't look at little kid pictures, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's Molly, you see Molly. Yeah, oh, it's spooky how much Molly looks. But I think it's why I love little Drew Barrymore (laughs) so much. But yeah, so there were a lot of choices behind the scene. That suggests. Also, you know what else they did to Joe Beth Williams? Those were real skeletons. I read that that they were real cadavers, and she had no clue. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they. <laughs> the best part was I read this interview, and she was like, "Not only did I not know, but when I asked, they were like, yeah, we got them real cheap. Like they basically bought illegal cadavers, which were probably like covered in disease and germs and crap. I would have been so." fucking pissed if somebody did that to me <laughs> so skeevy um anything else from like the behind the scenes stuff that you want to kind of dive into um no that was i mean my a lot of my behind the scenes stuff revolved around stuff we've already talked about okay um there's a, i have a couple personal stories but they Ooh. are gonna go 
along like later in the in I the really show. hope it's about you being sucked into your house and being stuck in a void of altered every No, but it does involve Lola Yola! and 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 a, and a pool being dug. <laughs> I can't wait because now I'm picturing Lola in the mud wrestling also, with the Also, the other thing, and I'll have to see if I can find it. And if I can find the picture, I will post it on, on Facebook. But there is a picture of me as a little kid. It's like one of those, like, like Sears or, like, Olin Mills, like, portrait pictures. Yeah. Where I have this, like, jet black poker hair with the bangs cut straight across. So you look like I her. look like a dark-haired Carol Ann. You look like the Italian Carol Ann. <laughs> I do. I'll have to see if I can find it. I think, oh, yeah, if, if I Everybody can had it, that haircut. I'll have to, I'll have 80s. to, yeah, we absolutely did. I'll, I'll have to can see if I can find it. Can we please make it a thumbnail for this episode because <laughs> that sounds fucking amazing. Um, the only other thing that I also want to blame Spielberg for while I'm being mad at Spielberg, because he's, I mean, who could stay mad at Spielberg, right? I know, I can't. Like, I'm sitting here, I'm like trying to be like, yeah, you know, that's not cool. God, Hook was God. such a good movie. I, oh, there's just no, there's certain people, there's just, in Hollywood, there's just no staying mad at. Spielberg's one of them for me. Like, all I have to do is think of Jaws, and I'm like, oh, I can never be I mad know, at him again. Yeah, it's, it's. So besides creating the summer blockbuster and ruining Toby Hooper's life and <laughs> all these other things, another thing to, that Spielberg really was responsible for was the advent of the PG-13 rating. In uh, 1984, thanks to Gremlins and Indiana Jones, his two movies that they had no idea what the fuck to do with. And to me, this movie is not a PG in real life, Poltergeist. No, I, this has so like such scary images. So, and they, the parents smoke pot. Like, there's drug use, there's language. This movie gets... A, uh, so, originally, they tried to get this movie an R. And I don't know how much had to get cut for it to get a PG. But there was no in-between at the time. So, they could probably cut out a couple curse words just to get it down to a PG. But a lot of people are always like, Oh, you want to, like, introduce your girls to horror? They should watch Poltergeist. I really thought this movie was way more intense than most of the stuff. I'm wondering, too, if it got a PG... Could anybody else besides Steven Spielberg get Pull this off movie a PG. to no. be a PG? Like, no. knowing what it is, mm-hmm. this is not a PG movie. No. This is a solid PG-13, yeah. but I'm wondering if Spielberg was like, is it really? But PG-13 didn't exist at that point in 82. Oh, that's right. So okay, there's no yeah. middle ground there. And then when Gremlins and Temple of Doom is the movie that they really credit as yeah. being the one that pushed over. Temple of Doom is so not a PG movie, <laughs> and but it's also not. You know? Yeah. Um, that scene used to scare the fucking pants. Dude, Brian off and I used to kid. play that scene. He would walk up to me and like yeah. punch me in the chest, but I'd be like, "Ow!" and he'd be like, "Kalima," yeah. and then I'd play along like, "Oh, Nupshiba." Yeah, me too. My brother, I would do the same thing. I would always say "Nupshiba," but my brother would beat on me. While they're just punching, while our older brothers are just punching us in the chest, we're like, "Ha ha 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 I probably cried. So full disclosure, you probably were a great sport about it. I was a bitch. I would pretend to play along, and then the second he hit me too hard, I'd be like, ah, mom. So, because he's going to listen and yell at me later. Um, so full disclosure, I was a bitch about it. But yeah, Temple of Doom was what, and, and I know this is crazy. People make fun of me all the time, but this is my favorite Indiana Jones film. It's Temple of Doom. I, and people think it's like the worst one. People and we're going to pretend, we're going to pretend Crystal Skull doesn't exist. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, I'm okay with people that. People think this is the worst one. I'm with you. I love Temple of Doom. I it's, I don't know that I would call it my, you know what, maybe I would call it my favorite. I don't know. It's so hard. It's, this, that is truly a series of movies that it's like, 
rank them like one, two, and three. And I'd be like, I can't. Like, I can't, I find it so hard to rank them because there are just certain things from each of the movies that I absolutely love so, so much that I would be hard-pressed to, like, if I were ranking them right now and you asked me tomorrow, I'd probably rank them differently. And it would be so hard for me to, to truly, this one's the best, this one's the middle ground, and this one's, like, the least favorite of the three. That one's too tough for See, me. See, that's so funny, because for me, in my head, and I know that this is not truth, like, cinematically, it's not the best movie, Temple of Doom is all the way up at number one, like, 20 leaps and bounds. <laughs> and then Raiders and Crusade can duke it out for number two. Great really? movies. But if I'm sitting there and I have all three of them in front of me, it's going to be Temple of Doom every time. Every time. I feel me. like that that's probably my truth as well that I'll always go for Temple of Doom. You know I just did that whole spiel and now I'm like probably Temple of Doom. Raiders. No. Oh you go Crusade? And I go Crusade then Raiders. I They're, they're close for me like I could take or leave. Uh, honestly yeah. and I hate to even admit this yeah. I could take or leave the, those other two. Really? Yeah like if they're on TV I won't drop everything. Oh see now they're all of the Indiana Jones movies are currently on Amazon so if you go on yeah, that, like, I, I, I watch them all. Like, I just put them on in the background. Me too. Like sometimes I will sit down and like legit watch them but then other times I'm just like it's on in the background I'm playing on my phone I'm doing something with like a magic deck I'm clean or whatever I've got Indiana Jones on in the oh, background see, it's always tumble doom for me yeah. I, I've watched it at least twice since it's been yeah. on episode prime um same thing like background wise because I know every single line yeah. from all right well I guess we could dive into the actual we, movie we can now. probably <laughs> now that we've been like talking 20 minutes for... <laughs> in we can dive in which I can say that 82 poltergeist probably without too much thought is in my top five all-time favorite horror wow, movies. Wow, top five. I'd go I'd, top ten. I love, I yeah. love this movie. Me too. I, I, I'd i go top ten. Um, I like, I didn't realize that the Star Spangled Banner played at the end of every broadcast day in yeah. the 80s. I had no idea. So, of course, me being me, I came up with this big thematic relevance for this film being a metaphor for, like, the botched American dream of moving to the burbs. And how, like, the, this film is such a, like, comment on how in the 50s and, 50s and like, even arguably in the early 80s we started rebuying that idea of, like, just go move into a cookie-cutter house, everything's gonna be perfect, everything's gonna be pre-done for you, like, it's so brilliant, and then look what happens. They moved the <laughs> they moved the headstones, but they didn't move the bodies. Um, so yeah, so I thought it was a really interesting statement on the decay of America, and I got all excited about Spielberg making some really big thematic stand. But really, no, it's because they literally played that song at the end of the day. <laughs> um, maybe that's what Toby Hooper got to do. Like, I I want to think Toby Hooper sprinkled some thematic relevance. Yeah, because as much as I love Spielberg, and I do. And I love the heart of a Spielberg film. I think that's what always draws me to, like, um, you know, things like a Capra film, too. But I think Hooper, a little bit of Hooper's darkness creeps in. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think there is a little sprinkle. And I think it works well. So, yeah. So, also, why does every 80s movie opening sequence of a town look exactly the same? You ever notice that? Like, I feel like it's literally the, the same, like, they filmed one community and used it for every 80s opening in a film ever. I don't know, where do you want to dive in? Craigie Craig Nels Nels? Oh, oh. Craig T. Nelson? Uh, yeah. Who politically can shut the fuck up, but, like, separate the person from the character kind of thing. And I love him in this movie. Like, he has, like, I don't know, just the way that, I don't know, he's, like, such a good dad. Like, there's just something about, like, that father-daughter relationship that I really liked. No, oh, that okay. like usually when he was talking to her, like this is this is gonna sound kind of weird maybe, but like usually when he was talking to her 
um, he often got on her level to talk to her. And I loved that nine times out of ten, he didn't call her her own name. He called her Sweet Pea a lot. Like, the little, the nickname thing. I don't know. It was something just very endearing about their yeah. father-daughter and, and relationship. For which, yeah, he, he yeah, creates I loved it. so much character with so little. Like, the scene where they're smoking pot together is so endearing to me. Yeah. Because, like, they're just adorable together. And, like, they are doing something kind of... Also, lock the door, girl. If you're gonna light a joint... <laughs> I mean, no judgment. Lord knows I'm not judging, but... You're gonna smoke some pot in your room, lock your door so that your kids don't go. Like, yeah. Caroline's gonna remember that shit, you know? Um, well, but just, like, the scene was just, it was just so It was normal. endearing. It yeah, was. And, like, it, was and ende- it wasn't and it was anything. so real. Yeah, it wasn't anything like, ooh, like, uh, no. Like, they're just having a conversation. And they were, like, busting each other's he's, chops. He's reading like, his Reagan book. She's mm-hmm. watching TV, rolling a joint. Yeah. Like, they're just sitting there being a regular, normal couple. Like, they, again, it's Spielberg. He sets the scene for... This is just a regular family right. living in, you know, the cookie cutter 80s mm-hmm. house or whatever. And, yeah. you know, this bad shit's about to happen to normal people. Yeah. And no matter how, and he does this in all his films, no matter how crazy and supernatural shit's about to get, it's always grounded by this very real family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like Jaws. The family at the center of it is the heart of the film. You know what I mean? Like, and then the family that is created on the boat becomes the heart of the film. Yeah. Same thing with this. The family be- then grows into the family of the woman from the, the university and everything. A- another character I absolutely love, Dr. I gotta Lash. say. Doctor, she her. is so great. Like, the scene where she just blatantly admits she has no idea what the fuck she's doing and how fucking overwhelming that is, like, it's such a, like, I just, After oh, they've seen heart. the room for the first time with everything spinning and then it cuts to her <laughs> drinking tea and yeah. she's just... And later on, when, when she uh, what Diane, right? Yes, Diane. When Diane calls her on that, she's like, "Yeah, you were shaking really bad." Like, yeah, it, just the way this this movie is written, I just can't gush. As a screenwriter, I just can't gush enough yeah. about how these characters interact with one another and why it makes the movie so good. Um, yeah, and you're right, Carol Heather work was still really cute. She was at a, that she, point, and she, and in this one, it's like. Okay, yes, there are, you can pinpoint some talented child actors that are just like, they've got it. The pizzazz, the whatever. I can't necessarily say she's got that pizzazz. Agreed, she's a terrible actress. But when she's that little, like, the cuteness factor... Covers for it. Covers for her, you know, lack in other areas. I don't think she's terrible. But I think that, you know, when you think of, like, she was no like Deco- like Drew Barrymore, yeah, or Dakota, or Dakota Fanning, Fanning, or Jodie Foster when Corey she was in Texas. Or- Macaulay Culkin, right. like some child actors just have it, mm-hmm. and her cuteness really helps. I mean, when you get a kid that little, and she's got that little angelic face and her blonde mm-hmm. hair, which I think again we talked about is going to be a detriment to her ability in the second movie right. because that. Little baby face is gone. Right. And now you just have this little kid. Plus, she spends 90% of the movie fucking stuck inside the TV, so all you hear is her <laughs> voice. <laughs> voice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I agree with you, though. I think that she's not, I and I hate to say this because she died so tragically, but she's she wasn't a good actress, and she was so cute in the first one that nobody cared. Yeah. Um, and the kid who played Robbie was also kind of a hot mess of human being as far as acting goes. I yeah. mean, there's a reason why we don't see, we never saw Although, him in anything else. I will tell you, like, his scenes 
are some of the scariest scenes in the first one between the tree mm-hmm. and the clown scene. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I might have to respectfully disagree with that because I think he pulls off just sheer terror. And, uh, and he's at the awkward age. Even, and even mm-hmm. though he's at the gawky awkward age, mm-hmm. he I think he pulls off conveying that sheer terror and maybe... It's real terror, as you said. He really was being choked <laughs> by an animatronic clown at one point. That would scare me, um, Jesus. You're right. I mean, you it, know what, Jackie? You're right. You're right. He does a really... And Spielberg has said he wrote those two scenes, the tree and the clown, because those were the things that scared him the most as a child. Yeah. Um, that he had a tree outside his house and that he was afraid of clowns. So, yeah, the, I mean, there's something very real and very, like... Like, I yeah, I remember those feelings as a child. Oh, yeah. You know, this really evokes... For me, the 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 fear we have when we're little, fear of the cl- like the creepy doll, for fear of the the tree and the thunder and the lightning, and and to this day, I use that thing about counting, and I don't know how scientifically accurate it is. No, I had that same thought because I'm like, I know that too. You count. You I know? think we learned and it from this. Did movie. we learn it from this movie? Did the like did we did? Really, I think we like, did. Did we do it? Because yeah, I to this day, every now and then, I will catch myself being like. One one thousand, two one thousand, counting for the thunder to see how far away it is. I bet you we learned it from this film, and we don't even realize it. We probably did. <laughs> we um, learned our the facts of life from watching the facts of life. I love the music in this movie. Yeah, the, that's the another music, thing that makes a Spielberg film. It, Spielberg film. It really, really does. And even though it's not John Williams, it's true. Um, yeah. it's still like the the Carol Ann theme that plays mm-hmm. throughout is such a good theme. Um. You're right, it is. I also have a note, and it kind of goes on with what you were saying in the beginning about the cookie-cutter houses, the developments, the takeover. And I am someone that in my teen years lived in one of those cookie-cutter houses. Um, when Right before I went to high school, we, we moved into a development. And it was one of those where, you know, you get a choice of, like, five houses and you know yeah, five you house styles design, yeah. and you choose your style and i hated it because i grew up in a small town that like you know every street had sidewalks you know all the houses a lot of the houses were ranchers like there was a couple two story houses but mm-hmm. some split levels and my neighborhood that i grew up in very much had like Everybody's like that like that 80s, mayberry yeah. like you know, Haddonfield from Halloween kind mm-hmm. of town. Like, this is a very small, safe town where you could ride your bike literally from one end to the other. Like, literally one end of town to the other in under an hour. Like, it's not a large town. So coming from that kind of picturesque Mayberry suburban and then moving into a development. And the town I moved into had developments popping up all over I absolutely hated it, and I had always vowed, I'm like, when I'm a grown-up, I'm gonna live in a normal house that's not in a development, like, I don't want the cookie-cutter thing, and plus, like, these development houses, not for nothing, like, are pretty shitty. They're pretty shitty, because I remember at one point, like, in my, like, bathroom, we hadn't put wallpaper or painted yet, and I, like, splashed something, I forget what, and I went to wipe it off the walls, and I literally wiped, like, with, like, a water on a washcloth, wiped the paint off the wall down to the drywall, just oh, with, like, two or yeah. three swipes. 
I was like, are you fucking Yeah, they, they used, me? like, like y- they used construction grade quality shit. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, they still do when they make those kind of houses, though. Like, my house is old as hell, and I love my house because it's so weird and old. But, it, it, like, I hate to be like, they don't make them like they used to. But, I mean, my house was constructed, what, in the early 1900s? And it is hanging in there. <laughs> like, yeah. and and I feel like, yeah, I feel like they used to, they, they slept all these fucking houses in the burbs. And yeah. you're right, I feel the same way. Like, I don't love cookie cutter houses. I, I like when a house has its own personality. Yeah. I mean, the house that I grew up in, uh, it was a brick house. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody has siding or stucco yeah. or fucking yeah. whatever. I, you know, that's something that, yeah, it, there's just the charm of, like, the small town Small town America. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, like I said, the town I moved into, we were in a development, and it was in the beginning stages of being a development. We were one of the first, like, families, families in that area. Um, and then, like, the development expanded, and then, you know... All of my, a bunch of my friends that I went to high school with, they lived in developments. Mm-hmm. Like, it was almost kind yeah. of a status thing where it's like, do you live in a development or do you just live in a house? You know, it's yeah. like the upper oh, class. Like, we were, you know, middle upper class. Living right, because you were in a community. Living in right. our community. Mm-hmm. You know? It made a difference. And it still does. I mean, yeah. in, in Delray, there's still the same thing. Like, oh, do you live in the Grand? Do you live in Summer Hill? Do you live here? Do you live there? Yeah. And like, yeah, you're very much, I mean, we just live in a house. So we're very much yeah. judged for not being in, yeah. no, we're not in Tenby or whatever. Yeah, you no, know? when I was <laughs> I lived in snowy Owl woods. Right, like, right. You and, live? Like, there's snowy a certain Owl. right. Mm-hmm. There's a certain status that comes with yeah. it. And again, that's something Spielberg does well: taking a very average, run-of-the-mill, everyday situation and bringing chaos yeah. to it, like in so many of his films. Also, how are we not talking about my one of my favorites, uh, James Caron? In this, I know. <laughs> I was like, we're talking about anything having to do with Return of the Living Dead. Anytime when, James when, Caron comes up, I was like, I can't be mad at him. Because no. it's Frank. And I will never be mad <laughs> at Frank for Return of the Living Dead. Um, but yeah, no. the And I, I kind of loved the way at first it was very cool to, like, the, the mother. That, mm-hmm. like, the chair would fly. Because at first I was like, girl, get the f*** out of there. But I get it. I feel like a lot of people, I wouldn't because I'm a big giant chicken. But a lot of people would be super excited to have weird crap like that happening in their house. The the scene when things start actually happening. Oh, the chair scene the is so good. The chair scene is so good. I don't know. I would like to think that I would have her reaction, but I think I'm with you that no, I'd be like, well, yeah. I'm gone. Let's right. just burn we the house down. We know how this ends, right. <laughs> yeah. Let's just burn the house down and move on. It's oh, fine. Scene. We'll collect the insurance. Nothing. Okay, my, <laughs> my one biggest fucking gripe with this film, and I bet you you're going to know exactly where I'm heading here, is the fact that she fucking willingly stays in that house for even a second after they rescue Caroline. Like, I'm talking cloud of dust, like a comic character, running like out the door. There's a Marissa right, shaped a Marissa. hole in the wall. <laughs> like, when I get spewed out with covered in afterbirth with her, <laughs> I, and I'm like, we rescued the kid, I'm fucking so out, it's not even funny. Like, never stepping foot in that house again. Yeah. You know? And it irks the shit out of me. That she stays while he goes to wrap up things at work. I'd be like, nah, bitch, I will meet you at the Holiday Inn. Like, <laughs> I'll be at the Hojo. They left the light on for me. Like, fuck you, I'm staying in that house. So let's dive into the good stuff. So I think that once they realize how... So all of a sudden the tree comes in text. They realize it's a diversion. They realize that Caroline has been stolen and basically sucked into the house. Or like this alternate... Ether. Like uh, like an ever at like a it's like an uh, would it be there's like, like a, a plane like a plane of existence like a purgatory like yeah I think that's a good call okay I like that it looks like a vagina 
Okay. And I like that when they get spewed out at the end, it looks like they're covered in afterbirth. I like that idea. I think that the theme of the power of the maternal runs very strongly in this oh, film. Oh, yeah. And you know me, I'm a big sucker <laughs> for that. If there's one thing I love, it's a good mom. Yeah, and a, she is. She's a badass Yeah, in this mom. one, in part two, she's a fucking dope. She falls apart a bit. Oh, my God. You have one job. Just <laughs> fucking keep your eyes on that kid, for fuck's sake. Like, but we'll get into we it. Will, we will. In this one, they're great parents. I would argue they're both really good parents. And she, the scene, well, there's a couple scenes as parents I love. I love the scene when they're like, you have to yell at her. You have to yell at her. And they're like, who's the disciplinarian? And neither of them want to own it. Like, and they're like, and it's the dad. Matt would have to do that. Yeah. If, if like, Molly was stuck in the, in the netherworld, <laughs> and I was like, Molly, get, get, get over here. Like, she would not listen. But if Matt were like, Molly, she'd be like, what? I'm over here, Dad. Like, yeah. like Plus, literally. I've yeah. been here the whole time. Yeah. You didn't hear me? Let's go. No, same thing. If it was my parents, you know, my mom could yell. Oh, same But, like, thing. you know what? Yeah, no. Like, to this day, when my dad, like, yells to the grandkids... Like, I kind of, like, start, like, I sit up a little straighter. Yep, like, my same. dad has a scary yell. Same. But I'm just like, yep, no, do what he says, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, my, when I when I yell, my kids laugh. When Matt yells, everybody runs and hides, including yeah. me, incidentally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that part makes me giggle. I love the Ghostbusters in this one. They are awesome. They, uh, yeah. Two God. out of three of them. One was a fucking... Well, if you like have flat your, if you if you rip your face off... Flat lever. That's your job, bro. <laughs> it is funny that... Quote unquote paranormal investigators end up, you know, like they don't know what to do. Like you said, like they don't know what they're doing. They're afraid. And it's like, dude, this is your chosen line of work. Like, right. what did you think was going to happen? I know, seriously, like, stop it. And I have to admit, every time I watch this film, the first time Zelda Rubenstein shows up, I'm like, yes, queen! Like, I just, <laughs> I fucking love her. When I was a kid, I was scared of her, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel I bad saying that. that. I can see that. I'm a bad person. You're not a bad person. But Little now kids. I love her. Yeah, yeah. But back then I was fucking terrified of her. I was afraid of David Bowie. Because I thought David as Bowie. Jareth? Yes. Well, no, as Jareth. But like, <laughs> people would talk about the musician David Bowie. Yeah. And I thought that he looked like Jareth all the time. kind of did. So I was, af- I was legit afraid of David Bowie. Because I thought that like, that's how he always looked. So I was like, fuck David Bowie and his music. <laughs> I don't want to part. Yeah, I, so I it, it literally was like probably I mean, his like his pants were just <laughs> so tight in that fucking movie. So afraid of his wiener. No, I thought <laughs> I was afraid. Of, so no, I get that completely because I didn't listen to David Bowie music probably until high school because I was afraid of him because I thought he was scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. So I I like that the 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 woman who uh what's her name Dr. Leash Dr. Lesh Lesh. That she's very open about, like, I can't, this is, like, above my pay grade, you know? Mm-hmm. And she calls in the expert. I also love the part where um, Craigie Craig doesn't believe that Zelda's really a, uh... First of all, her real character's name is Tangina, Tangina, but... <laughs> Tangina the Gina. <laughs> but I personally prefer just referring to her as Zelda, because why name her Tangina? Like, it's, like, Regina, but not really, it's Tangina. And if anybody's listening whose name is Tangina... Call me. I'd like to have you on to talk about how you feel about your name. Because <laughs> Tangy does a little silly. Call in. Call We're in. We're taking calls. Call in. Call me at 1-800-FUCK-OFF. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would work numerically, too. I'll have you know. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Stop the presses. You know how you have a list of all the bands, that band names? Mm-hmm. I have created a list of all of my memoir names. 
Okay. But I'm going to save it for Poltergeist 2 because okay. it comes from there. But I'm really excited to share with you that while you keep your list of good names for a band, I'm going to keep my list of good names for a memoir. I like it. Like Eat Shit and Live, which will definitely be the name of my first memoir. Right. Yeah. Eat Shit and Live, the Marissa story. <laughs> and then in the Lifetime movie, Tiffany Amber Theason is going to play me. <laughs> I have it all worked out. My- <laughs> so, okay. so Zelda shows up. She thankfully figures out that there's not only a fucking demon, not only ghosts, but also a demon. So I tried to figure out what the difference between a poltergeist and a ghost and a demon, like how to differentiate. Let me tell you, the internet has no fucking clue. Like those people on Reddit, they need to sit down. They all have a theory. They all think they're right. Some of them are very well spoken. But from what I could tell, it is common for demons to prey on prepubescent girls. So, Exorcist, this, there's this common thread where, like, which I gotta watch out, man. I got two girls, age 8 and 10. I gotta be fucking diligent right now, fucking watching out for demons all over the- Molly did have that conversation. She's like, do you think our house is haunted? I was like, absolutely not, or I wouldn't be here. Um, so yeah, so I I gotta be careful for the next few years, but, yeah, so they figure that out, right? Mm -hmm. And they realize that there's, like, a portal to where they're all just in limbo. Like, in Beetlejuice, when they open the door and all the souls are floating, yes. that's that's where they are, I'd imagine. In my head, that's where they yeah. are. Yeah. And then Carolyn is somehow- this, Stuck like, in there. Yeah. But, but, and, like, they're, like, attracted to her because she's actually living. So she's kind of, like, this beacon, right? Right. Now, the light is heaven, I take it. That's right? what I- Yeah, I assume that, like, that's the right. crossing over into right, heaven. Right, right. Um, which, these movies do have a cool kind of, like, this is what happens after you die- notion that like i like like there could be heaven you know like they're very but anyway mom wraps her friggin rope around her and dives on in right after her and comes out the other side and what's cool is we never learn other than seeing that thing that face that comes out at craggy craig we don't know what's in there yeah and why would we it's it's the purgatory like we have no business like, in the second one, they're like, you have seen shit that nobody's supposed to see. Like, yeah. you know. So, and then, thank the Lord, they don't. Re- the kids don't remember. Well, they say they don't remember, but I feel like in, like, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, you ask Carol Ann, like, do you remember what happened? No. But then, I get the sense that, like, she knows what's going on at the end of the movie when the closet tries to suck them in again. Yeah, they, I mean, I, I would argue that, it, yeah. I, I, you're right, there's, and even in number two, it's like, do they remember, do they know what's going, like, it's I mean, why would understand. she say they're back, if right. she doesn't Obviously remember? she remembers, right, and why would she even say they're here? How does she know? Well, they're the TV people. I mean, to be fair. I <laughs> love at the end, I the love at the end when he rolls the TV out into the hallway, I'm always like, hashtag retweet. <laughs> <laughs> um... So one of the themes that I find interesting, because the whole thing happens because they they made these houses on top of the land where there were dead bodies. Right. The the entire, like, acres upon acres, it was, it was a cemetery. It was. And a developer came in and bought up all the land and, quote unquote, moved everything. But, but in they reality, didn't move the bodies! You just moved the headstones! <laughs> yeah, they, they literally, they instead of relocating the cemetery, they relocated the headstones and all the bodies were left underground. Which leads me to wonder how many of those have happened in real life. I betcha quite a few of us are sitting oh, on top sure. of bodies in our I homes. am sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then you have to think, you know, in certain areas, especially, you know, uh, kind of, you know, not especially, 
just in in areas all over. I mean, think about you know how long civilization has been here yeah. that didn't have churches where we buried humans in boxes. I'm sure right. that you know decomposed bodies and bones are all over because there was a time you know where it was the middle of winter and you know 1694 and we just you know, don't have the strength to build a box for you, so... That's right, if you didn't get eaten by your friends on the Oregon Trail. (laughs) When you died of dysteria. Yeah. Yeah, true story. You know, so, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely sure they're all over. I always like that whole thing of why they say why um, a lot of churches are on hills is because um, with little cemeteries and graveyards, I know there's a difference between a cemetery and a graveyard, and I know it has to do with their location to a church, and I don't remember which is which one is which, so mm-hmm. I apologize for that. That's fine. The reason that a lot of them are on hills is because they keep having to add more ground so they can bury the bodies. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Which is also why, like, with, um, like, uh, erosion happening, that sides of, like, hills are eroding and coffins and caskets are coming out because they just keep building up land and that's horrifying when there's no more room in hell jackie i don't know if you know what's gonna happen (laughs) but i do there you go Ken taught me a graveyard is a burial ground within a church a cemetery is is a you just schlep the body anywhere (laughs) i knew there was i knew they had a proximity yeah i googled it i well did not know that at all to that point i think there's a really important theme here in that the land does not belong to us. Mm-hmm. And that we as humans are so fucking stupid and as Americans have a big pair of cojones because we very much act like America is ours. And in number two, I think it almost beautifully lent itself to having Native American ideologies in it. Although I wish it wasn't quite so cringy. But I, I think this idea that like the land is not yours, like when he's like, We work so hard for this, we put everything into this development, like we and he sold them the you know, the father and the family is like sold forty forty percent of the homes yeah, and yeah, he's like the yeah. best seller or the developer and we lie to ourselves and act like we have ownership over this continent, over this world. And it's like to me it's one of the most depressing myths that not only especially America, especially right now, so y'all be a bunch of fucking hypocrites, because this is not your land. And I don't know that it ever will be anybody's land. And I think that that's a certain hubris that only humans make. No other animals try to own the land. Just us. Because we're motherfuckers, Jackie. <laughs> that's the truth of it. Um, so that theme, I think, is a really interesting one that permeates the film. And like so many Spielberg films, if you scratch a little bit beneath the surface, there's a lot to be said and a lot going on. And that's something I've always loved about his films, too. I can't believe I'm gushing about Spielberg as much as I... I didn't intend to. I came into this hating him because of what he did to no, Toby Hooper. It's, it's so just good. impossible, yeah. In, I And we have mentioned this, or I know I specifically have mentioned this in... And I think it was our March Madness 2017. I think it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But I had talked about this movie kind of... This is a movie for everybody, because if you're the kind of person that, like, you know, watches horror movies to be scared, like, oh, I like the scare, I like the adrenaline, mm-hmm. this movie kind th- this one will capture all of the phobias. Because if totally. you are afraid of ghosts, we gotcha. Are you afraid of clowns? We gotcha. The dark, storms, creepy trees, being alone, isolation, the fear of something happening to your kids, the fear of being helpless. Like, this movie truly taps into so many phobias mm-hmm. all in one. Totally. You know, like, all in, in in two hours. It's got everything. And I think that's one of the reasons why 
I gravitate toward this movie because I always do love a good ghost story. Like, I love a good ghosty movie. But this, above other just regular ghosty movies, has the element of, like, the demon, like, the kind of practical effects of the gore. When I the, like the, the guy is film. ripping off his face, yeah. which is so obviously fake. I know. But it works. Like, to me, like, that's just something a little bit charming. Because me too. You, but again, being a Hooper Spielberg movie, it can't look too real. Because then it's too, too scary, and it takes away from being kind of Spielbergian. Right, which is you know? why it's not a Hooper so, film, right? Yeah. Hooper would have Hooper been Hooper so film, we would have had a very much more realistic... Yeah, there is always like, a it kind of it, it kind of looked, looked like, the, the, like the They Live people, almost. Much, like yeah. it was So it was a skeletal, and mm-hmm. it had kind of that, yeah, very obviously fake. Uh, but at the same time, though... I mean, how real was it truly supposed to be? Because we knew that it really wasn't real. Right. You know? Like, we knew that the guy truly wasn't ripping his face off. We knew that the house was playing tricks. Also, who fucking cooks a steak in another person's house? Yeah. That shit really bothered me. That was ballsy. Don't go in. Like, that's just expensive. Like, you want to... Right. You want to have a snack while you're ghost busting my house? Cool. Grab yourself a fucking fig bar. But do not fucking have the balls to bust out a fine steak and think you're going to fucking simmer that shit up. First of all, you're supposed to be watching the cameras. You are being paid to be here. Number one. (laughs) Number two... Fuck you, that's an expensive steak. It was a nice So cut. you deserve it. it. Was. Yeah, you deserve at least yeah. 20 bucks. So <laughs> fuck you. You deserve everything you got. Leave. Go ahead. We don't need you anyway. Um, I'm done. I'm done being mad at him. Um, <laughs> okay, so speaking to that, speaking to this idea that there's something for everybody in this film, you know the part where they're like, whatever, when you open that door, whatever you fear most is going to be behind there, what's behind the door for you? I'll, you want me to go first? Yeah. Because mine's easy. I open the door and the girls are dead. That's, to me, yeah. my biggest fear in life is something happening to the girls. Um, and I would include Matt in that, but I would be lying if I said that, like, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the same girls are gonna scale. be, yeah, right. like, they're yeah. gonna, you know. Like, I mean, God, God, I don't want anything out of right. my husband, but, yeah, no, the girls, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know, I honestly feel like... Jersey Ghoul's breaking up, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that was your biggest fear. You kind of being like, fuck off, wearing a MAGA hat, walking away. There you go, there's my fear. No. That I, is my <laughs> biggest fear. I, I, it's, it's, I'm... Like, knowing the kind of things that I'm afraid of, like, it would be hard to have them manifest. Like, maybe just kind of, like, a void of nothingness. Like, isolation is a fear. And, like, being alone. So, like, I don't know how that would manifest, but just kind of, like, a, a void of, of, of nothingness. Just kind of this empty blackness would be would be pretty creepy. Like, I'm one of those people that, like, when they have, like, the box, they're like, put your hand in the box. And it's like, because you have to like, yeah, and, but yeah. like, it turns out there's nothing in there because right, you have right. nothing to fear. Like, I'm the person that would be like, no, fuck that box. Biscuit, Blow it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so like, I think, so it'd be hard okay. to manifest Yeah, that's that. interesting. I mean, or kind of more, I guess, if it was like tomorrow, like, you know, something, you know, my, a dead, like my dog, like something really? happening. Yeah. Like, like to see him like, or maybe that's it. Like maybe to see like if, if I open the door and like I saw like Chad like choking or something. Oh my and like God, I yeah. can't help him. Like, right, right. Like that being unable to save Chad or save Dudley, I think would be like watching them perish like right in front of yeah. you kind of thing without the ability to save them. Like I was somehow barricaded from Yeah, from getting, from getting to, to him. Well, I think that's part of what makes this yeah. movie so scary is as a like just watching them not be able to do anything to help her. 
must be like I mean I can't even imagine like in real life like my kid was stuck in a TV it, wall. It <laughs> makes me think it, that honestly when I was watching it because yeah the part when they're talking to the TV Ugh. and she's like help me help me and, and you hear her running. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think of a time and again I'm not a parent so I I can't fully encapsulate it but I remember one time I think it was either I think it was the summer either right before or right after high school for me. Um, I was doing summer theater in a town, uh, a couple towns away, and I had to take the highway to get there. And on one of the occasions, I'm driving home and my car breaks down. So, you know, I call my mom and she's like, okay, call AAA, it'll be fine. But I'm on my way. Because, again, I'm alone in the car. Right. I'm 19. It's, like, getting dark. Every mom would do that. So right? she's like, where are you? I told her. I, I was easily, you know, like, she could get mm-hmm. to me. No problem. So she's like... But when, if AAA gets there before me, she's like, just don't get out of the car. I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, whatever. Again, I'm 19. So I call AAA, and they actually had somebody out surprisingly quickly. Mm -hmm. So my mom is driving to me. But she (laughs) is driving, she has to drive northbound, do the U-turn to come back southbound, because I'm right, very, very close to an exit. So she's got to go north. So she said she's driving. And she gets off at the ramp, and you can see the southbound lane. And she sees me out of the car talking to the big, burly, triple-A guy. And she was like, in that moment, I had this fear of, I could watch you get hurt right now, and there's nothing I can do. Because I'm on a, you know, I'm on the off-ramp over here. With no physical way to get to you because her little car couldn't, like, jump the median kind of Right. And she's like, I literally sped through the U-turn down. Like, she, mm-hmm. like, broke all sorts of speed laws right. to get to me as soon as she could because yeah. she's like, she saw me. Yeah. And she knew that there was, God forbid, that guy had his hand over my mouth right. and was pulling me into his car. There was absolutely nothing she could do she but watch her daughter get taken away. Yeah, no, that's it's it's the worst, most helpless feeling. I Ken's once got when way back in the day got hospitalized with a very very bad fever while she was down at my mom's, and I was an hour and a half away. And I swear to God, I think I did a hundred miles an hour on like Route Thirty Eight <laughs> because it was late at night. It was winter. It was, and, and I swear to God, like, you're right, there is no worse feeling than you're, something's wrong with your kid and you can't do anything. Mm. It is the fucking worst feeling in the world, yeah. So I get, I, I yeah. know exactly what your mom must have felt in that moment. And yeah, you're stupid. Yeah, I'm but, well, but I'm I mean, 19. to be fair, you're I'm fine. 19. You're here. I'm you're 19 here. He's and fine. I'm You're a really nice guy. I'm 19 right. and I'm invincible. Right. So, yeah. And that's the thing, too. He, he was really a really nice. Human he was being. perfectly fine. He was very nice. If I can. Okay. I don't know how much more... You've got on this movie. I'm actually ready to move on to two. So you want to tell your little story? Let me tell my little story. So when my my, my, my parents were divorced, and when my mom and dad first separated, my mom and I lived, you know, her and I went to live in an apartment, and then she met someone, they started dating, and we moved in with him. And one night, um, her, her, her husband traveled a lot. So he's traveling somewhere. It was like one in the morning, and it was like, I can't sleep. I got up, and I guess I'm, like, middle school age at this point. I'm, like, 7th, 8th grade when we lived in the house we were okay. living at. And so it was, like, 1 in the morning. I get up and go to the bathroom. I'm, like, kind of up. I go downstairs. I get a drink. And my mom comes down, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I can't sleep. Like, I'm just up. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, me too. 
So she's like, you want to watch some TV? So it's like the middle of the night. Okay. And we end up sitting on the couch and Poltergeist is on. So we're just chilling on the couch. We're watching Poltergeist. It's like a cool mom-daughter moment yeah. where I'm like, even though I'm 13, I'm like, it's like three in the morning. Yeah, and I'm this watching is cool. scary movies right. with mom. Like, it's fun. So skip ahead probably three years. We have moved into the house, into the development. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, like I said, we're upper middle class. It's one of those big cookie cutter McMansion houses. Mm-hmm. And of course we need to have a swimming pool. So where my mother's bedroom was, she had a window that overlooked exactly, like if you look down, it's exactly over the pool. Mm-hmm. So one night, again, her husband is traveling for work and, you know, the 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 guys, the pool people have dug the hole. So mm-hmm. we have like the big dirt hole in in our in our yard so middle of the night one night there's a frantic knock on my bedroom door and i open the door and it's my mom and i'm like what and she's like jack i'm like what she's like it's raining outside okay but the pool and i'm like what the fuck do you remember in poltergeist when all the bottles came out of the pool like she literally was like petrified to look out the window because she didn't want to see bodies popping out of our that is, pool. Le- that is very legit. So I'm like, Lola, I'm like, A, don't you remember that like they, like the house was built on a cemetery. Our house was not built on a cemetery. <laughs> that the, you know of. The land, well, here's what I, so I, so I, I, I reassured her. She said, you're right, you're right. It actually apparently used to be the old Pittman Airport. Oh, there you go. Was where like the, the land was. So... I was like, it's fine, it's fine, like, I, like, literally, like, was, like, out, like, not outside, but, like, I was at the door downstairs, like, shining a flashlight. I'm like, Ma, no bodies. Like, we're good. Right, we're good to go. So, of course, well, she's like, well, can you sleep in my room? Of course. So, I'm laying there, and I'm like, you know, didn't you tell me this used to be, like, an old airport? She's like, yeah, it was, like, at the Pittman Airport or some kind of airfield Mm -hmm. in the area for small planes. I'm like, yeah, you know, so you're fine. Except I did hear about that one plane crash. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they wanted to, like, you know, kind of sweep it under the rug. Your so jerk. they did just cover everything with concrete. <laughs> Get out of my bedroom! Go sleep in your fucking bed! See, kids. They I know, they right? appreciate I know, but it just cracked me up that, like, her first thought, like, I didn't even think of that. And she was That's like, really Jack, funny. what if there are bodies in the pool? I'm <laughs> like, you're, the, the, you're the grown-up here! Like, you are the grown-up. I am in high school. Like, it's what good. are you doing? Her her, her mind totally, like, got the best of her. And, of course, it's, like, raining outside. And you know when your mind plays tricks on you and you swear you see something that's not really there? Yeah. Like, she's... Totally. What if, what if there's bodies? I'm like, really? Well, you're going to be a body. I'm going to be in the pool. Be you're going to be the first body in the pool. Uh, so we can move on if you're okay with it. Yeah, Patrick no, let's too. jump, let's jump four years yeah, into four the future. Yeah, four years into the future in 1986. This one does get slapped with the PG-13 now that it's a two, you know, has been uh, like two years in the running. Um, so uh, what I, effects that were endearing in one are now cheesy for me in two. Yes. Um, especially like you mentioned at the end with like the, the, gr- the green, green screen and, and the wire work when they are in that kind of ether is is it it's a little it's a little rough it's, it's different rough. it could use work it could use a little work it right could use some work. um and then i also think it's it's unfortunate that they had this this real life william samson samson yeah yeah samson was an actual mm-hmm. she, he was an actual shaman and he 
very much practiced a lot of the things that they reference in the film. I just feel like it's a little cringy in its representation of Native American culture. But then again, maybe I'm wrong because maybe if like I can't imagine he would let them do it wrong. So maybe it's okay. (laughs) I mean, who am I to say? I'm not Native American. I also laughed for an hour when Craigie Craigs did the most racist thing a white person can do. And that is to say, well, I'm one one hundredth Native American on my great grandmother's <laughs> side. Like, like, listen, white people, this is a PSA from a minority. Please fucking stop. I I really get irked when somebody's like, well, I'm one one hundredth Native American on my great grandmother's side, so that means this is my country too. Nah, bitch, nah, because the ninety nine other percent is all from Europe and came here and colonized the shit out of this place. So, Simadonna. <laughs> Just because your great-great-great-great-grandfather did the hippity-dippity with a Native American, there's probably no consent there. <laughs> Sit I down. I also like when he called Zelda the magic munchkin. <laughs> he is a hot mess in this So spe- They're both hot messes in this they movie. Were- Which... No parent is perfect. No, <laughs> and I also wrote down that there's probably some PTSD going on. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Dude, the scene in the bedroom in the first one as compared to the second one like he's so his like monologue which is meant to be funny is just awkward yeah and i'm like oh look they were so cute and then look what happened now they're all weird and right and she's a bitch to her mom and now everybody's got the shining like it's it's all very confusing but julian cade to me is what makes this movie memorable i also think he would have been really good as the tall man in phantasm (laughs) I used to get them confused as a child. No, that makes sense. Um, I can see that. And I liked the idea of the traditional notion of, like, good and evil God being the evil side and, like, the Native American and all that other stuff representing, like, a stronger side of spirituality. I think it calls to the theme of who cares what we call it. There's good and there's fucking evil in this world, you know? Yeah. I have a very similar note to that. Um, so we talked about it earlier. I don't remember how in-depth we talked about it, but... In the first one, it's very maternal. And basically, while the family unit is the strength of the movie and what truly saves the day, in the first one, mom gets mm-hmm. to wear the cape. She is the superhero. Yeah. And in the second one, they put it more on dad to, yeah, to kind Craig of be the one to, yeah. to hold it together. He's the one that Taylor... possessed. Yeah, that Taylor pulls aside and they have their little um, vision quest. They have their vi- thank you, I couldn't think of it. They have their vision quest and and he's the one that's imparting things on him. Kane goes after him mm-hmm. to try to, you know, break the family yeah, apart. He tries to hypnotize he tries him or whatever. To, yeah, he tries to talk to him and get I like when he in, spits out in. the little good guy demon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and then he's the yeah, he gets possessed by him. Mm-hmm. And so they they really do kind of target the dad, Steven, as the, like, the, the the primary hero in this one. He's yeah. the one that gets the staff and spears yeah, it into Kane sure. in that weird yeah. ether, which, okay. Um, <laughs> but it worked. But again, yeah. the family is truly right, the what theme holds that, it like, together. The strength is our love and our goodness. This, and our, yeah. this just doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie. Like, we don't know what it is. We don't know what magic he cast on his movie. But whatever it is, yeah, this missing. doesn't have it. Yeah. And it do- it has similar music. They've even used the Carol Ann theme in this. So, mm-hmm. like, the music is similar. Pretty much everybody yeah. came back. Obviously, and some of the gags know? are, like, the same. Like, the horror gags. Like, 
the the creepy doll with the eyes and mm-hmm. the robot. Like I think they fall victim to almost plagiarizing themselves and to some extent. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, with the ending, with the freaking going back to the house and everything. I do have to credit my husband with the best line of this entire series for me, because I was he decided to join me for, like, five minutes of Poltergeist 2. So he's sitting there, and he's watching the scene where Cade comes to the door, and he's like, I'm here from an organization that I'd like to talk to you about. And Matt goes, um from the GOP. No, because he goes, we don't care about what anybody thinks. And Matt goes, I'm from the GOP. And I laughed for a good hour. Like, I was done. My husband imitating uh, Kane and doing that whole thing and then saying, and like, I just pictured, like, a MAGA hat on him and I was dead. I, I was, like, literally dead. The other thing, <laughs> when she's talking on the phone to the grandmother when the grandmother's about to die i am such a vindictive bitch that if i were that grandmother i'd be like and tell your mother fuck her i was right she was wrong like i would be so vindictive every time but i save carol ann as the grandmother at the end same thing i'd be like middle fingers up in the the air hell yeah i would be such a vindictive (laughs) i was right because if i could ever be right and my kid's wrong it's it's an important moment in life so anywho i don't know if you figured out what line is going to be the name of my memoir (laughs) But it's a good one. And it's, I cahoot with no one. <laughs> the Marissa story. The Mar- I cahoot with no one, colon, the, the Marissa, Marissa story. story. Because the fact that he uses cahoot in that way, I cahoot with no man. Like, I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> and I wrote it down, and I was like, oh my god, I cahoot with no one is going to be the name of my memoir. Or my band. Either It works either, either way. way. It does. Yeah. It does. Um, I don't know. I think this one's ultimately forgettable. I think the scenes with Julian Kane are really effective and scary just because he's so fucking scary. He was, he might have died during the, the freaking filming of the movie and nobody knew because Jesus Christ was he scary. <laughs> like, Aside from him, there were a couple there was a couple uh, of scenes that I thought had like legit good horror. Okay. The scene when Robbie is in the bathroom before the braces attack. Oh, before the braces. Before the braces. Okay. Right before it, there is a scene where I don't remember if he closes the mirror or looks away from the mirror, but at one point, three skeletons kind of pop up at the mirror. No way. You thought that was good? I, th- I like that They part. look like they were lost on their way to the set of Thriller, dude. They were like dancing kind of. Like they're like- No, they just kind of popped up. it was so I like that. But I do think overall, this movie lacks the tension of the fear that the first one evokes totally totally there's so there's a very the only part that made me uncomfortable in the way that the entire first one makes me uncomfortable is when he was like pinning her to the ground right so i was like ew rapey and gross um but i yeah i agree with you i think it lacks that tension and that overall like i don't know i just didn't give a shit about them as much in this one yeah i mean and i know that like obviously you want to protect your kids but have you learned nothing that when something is happening to robbie somebody stay with carol right Somebody, I mean, the fucking Native like, American figures nothing? it out, yeah. right? Someone stay with Carolyn because you not know that he's a distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, th- divide and conquer. That's what, right. There's two. But then divide you do. <laughs> then you're basically valuing one child over the other, though. Like you know that if I did that, my kids would call me out so fast. But you went to rescue Molly because you don't love me as much as you were born. Like to be fair, in that moment, you got to be really careful because they're gonna fucking forget the PTSD, forget the demons. That's the shit they're gonna remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know anything else about two. I know Uh, we spent way too long talking about one worm scene. 
when <laughs> when Craggy Craig drinks the worm that oh, has Craigie. been possessed by Kane. Also, you're gonna drink in that moment, really? He has the bottle a couple times in the movie. It pisses I thought, me off. I thought the alcoholism, or I thought uh, alcoholism was, like his was is gonna be is his coping mechanism yeah. because there is more than one scene where he's walking around well, with a bottle. He's like literally selling vacuums door to door, and they're like poor and living in a room. Like yeah. this whole thing ruined them. Well, in yeah, so they many talk ways. about it in the beginning how mm-hmm. their insurance keeps denying yeah, their claim because the house is technically the missing. house is missing. It's not you know nothing happened to it. That was cleverly done. So yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, you see him with a bottle a couple times in the... And not even, like, a glass. He's just walking around with the bottle. No, he's like gone. Swiggy, swig, he's swiggin'. just got the bottle. Right. So he drinks the worm, and that is the way for Cain to possess him. Yeah, and true. then, because of the power of love, <laughs> Diane starts saying, I love you, I love you, That's I love so you. And that cures him of being possessed. Also, no wife in that moment is going to say I love you. Yeah. I'd be like, you fucking asshole. Really, you motherfucker? Like, if if hate could have the same effect, we'd be all right. But he, so she is, I love you, I love you, I love you. Mm -hmm. It cures him. (laughs) The worm comes out. And then he vomits out Uh, the worm. And we know how I feel about things like that. I thought of you. (laughs) I was like, Jackie's going blit right now. Son of a bitch. It's so great. Because there's so much. He does. He takes a really long. much. And then actually, the the worm character that comes out of him, uh, Noble... Craig. Noble Craig. Noble Craig. Uh Uh-huh. Is actually a handicapped actor. Mm -hmm. I believe lost his legs in the Vietnam War pursued acting was like able to do that kind of stunt work and which I, I said earlier and I guess you know like I said being and kind boy, of narrow boy did he he was yeah, in a shit ton of like horror like being movies. kind of like narrow-minded I guess I'm, I'll, I'll call it I'll call it being narrow-minded and never thinking of that of, of hiring a disabled person to play kind of like the creature with no legs like because yeah, yeah there there's work to be had and who like why would you go through like yes of course you hire somebody that does have that handicap as, as opposed to like you know green screening somebody's legs off yeah and it's amazing he was in poltergeist 2 big trouble in little china the blob nightmare on elm street movies bride of reanimate like he did this often that's really awesome yeah. I, think, I feel like and i've known he, about him yeah. before he died last year actually yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the the worm scene was is was kind of like a big payoff to me again, especially because the ending quote unquote battle uh, is just kind of mediocre green screen and wire work. Um, yes, the ending so, is lackluster. Yeah, at best. so the the practical effects of the worm scene really do sell it for me. Yeah. Also, the scene when they're in the garage trying to get away in the car. Uh huh. Um, so at one point this movie was thought to be, like, they thought they were going to do a 3D thing, mm-hmm. which is why the chainsaw mm. looks kind of funny. Oh, the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't That makes have, a lot yeah. of sense. That makes a lot of yeah. sense for that scene. Not the, the best follow-up. No, but uh, not the worst either. Guys, but not the worst, because yeah. again, you haven't seen three, which, oh, that's your I'm homework. Delighted. Yeah, Your I'm homework in. is, it's, it's like I said, it's free on Tubi right now, I'm so excited. your homework is, he, is three. I'm gonna message and... you tonight while I'm doing it. But overall, I think the, the legacy of Poltergeist, the film itself, you're right, it's in a lot of people's top ten lists, top five lists, you know. I think it's a film that holds up even in spite of maybe some of the flaws. I think it has the Spielberg magic going for it. Oh, yeah. I think the movie deserves all of the attention it often gets. 
And I think you really hit the nail on the head with this idea that, like, what makes part of what makes these so scary is that there's so much different levels of horror coming at you. Like, there's the very real, I'm going to lose my kids, there's the clown, there's the, you know. Yeah. And that works. That's, that's scary. Did you see the remake? No. Yeah. And I, I toyed with the idea of watching it. And maybe I'll treat myself to a shit show tonight and watch that, too. Oh, there you but, go. But, um, because I would like to just see what they did with special effects, you know? Yeah. But I've heard it. I've just heard terrible things about yeah, it. Yeah, maybe I'll, too. Just, just, just for fun. Maybe we'll torture ourselves just, with just it tonight. Just for yeah. I think it's we'll free on demand. It. Yeah, so yeah, I feel like, I feel like in my search for yeah, this came one, up. for Poltergeist, because I own Poltergeist, but looking for Poltergeist mm-hmm. too, I feel like I saw the remake come up on one of the streaming yeah. sites, so. And also for for uh just for reference i was terrified to let my daughter watch this so far she's seen jaws dracula mm-hmm. monster squad mm-hmm. and i was like all right she thinks she's right i explained to poltergeist i was like there's some really creepy clown there's like some scary stuff and she was like bring it on she was completely unfazed like didn't think it was scary God. i don't know if this kid is just super like not scared easily or if i should just like yes. show her the exorcist and be done with we it go, i don't really we go know to conventions and a guy has a michael yeah. myers mask on and she, and she, she like clings to your leg uh-huh. like i don't get it like how can like a dude and then like all the imagery in poltergeist it's and so she's disturbing. unfazed yeah. she was like watching it like literally didn't even blink at any of like the jump scares the even the clown she was just like oh that sucks you know like she was I don't know if we're just, we don't understand how ineffective these special effects are because we grew up being afraid of, I don't know what it is. I'm really curious. I feel like I want to start a special series called Let's Scare Molly because it's it's becoming increasingly more and more difficult to, uh, you know, I don't know. Dude, we're jumping right to the exorcist. Oh, she would, no, dude. (laughs) But even that, she'd probably be like, oh, whoopty, yeah. She'd just be delighted by the bad words that comes out of Reagan's mouth. She wouldn't even be like, she wouldn't even be phased, I don't think. I don't know. Um, So what do you think would be next? I don't know. That's, I I posed that question to you and to our listeners. What do I show a kid who is still way too little for anything intense? Yeah, she's under 10. She's nine, yeah, she's she's nine years, she's gonna be nine years old. She, Kenzie won't watch any of it. She's scared of it. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, you don't have to like her. Molly is, she kept asking me to watch it. And I was like, absolutely not, dude. That shit's too scary. It's rated R. I'm not gonna let you watch it. But now I'm like, fuck, maybe I should let her watch it. What about the miniseries? Oh, she would fall asleep and make fun of me for watching (laughs) such shit. Yeah, she would literally, and she's seen the Tim Curry Pennywise. And she's just like, meh. I don't know, so what man. would be next? I don't know. You know what? I'm After stuck. we're done, we'll have to go downstairs to see if I to have see, anything. Like, what's ne- what makes sense that, wh- like, can I actually scare this kid? Like, what would, well, I don't want to traumatize her, you no. know? I'm not sure Texas Chainsaw You also massacre, don't want to show but... her something like, you know, with the exorcist, yes, there's scary images, but you bring up a good point Yeah, of the like, language. I don't need the, your like, mother sucks yeah. pox in hell, because yeah. she'll be telling her principal that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's the fine line of <laughs> and she you have nine. And you can't show anything with any, like, you can't show any slashers, yeah. or I don't want her watching, like, you know, sexy scenes, like, that she's too young for that shit. Yeah. So what do I show her that is effectively scary to a kid today, but not... We want to traumatize her a little, but not a lot. I was thinking, what about, like, <laughs> Annabelle? And I've never even seen Annabelle. But, like, mm. maybe that, or, like, Paranormal Activity, or, like... Paranormal Activity might be cool, because you really... sex in that, though? No. Nah. Oh. There's no nudity. There's no. I mean, like, there's some kissing, that but like, there's no. The shit out of like, because you really don't. There, you don't see anything. No, you really don't. You just watch the. And or especially like, I, the third one with the little when they're the two little girls. Oh hell yeah! Right. Like, but is that 
I have no idea. So if anybody out there has either has small children and likes to show them movies, give me some recommendations. Or if you think you know of a good movie with very little violence and sexuality and maybe just a few curse words, the major curse words are fine. Just know, like, right. fuck Jesus, you know? like Yeah, we don't need, like, like right. the, the euphemisms for anatomy kind of thing. Like, we right, don't need, like, right. cock, dick, you right. know, cunt kind of thing. Like, she, yeah. She could probably even handle all those. I just, I don't want, yeah, like, too much of it. Yeah, right. yeah. Like right. I said, we want to traumatize her a little. Just a sprinkle. Right, we do. Just we just want to make her not sleep. But for Poltergeist a week. didn't even. She didn't even. That like. blows my mind. Me too. I thought this, for sure she was like going to be scared. Legit scary stuff. In this I, movie. I'm. I'm arguably still affected by this film. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. What a weirdo. <laughs> I know. The kids today, man. So desensitized. <laughs> well, we hope you guys have enjoyed our episode talking Poltergeist and Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. And yeah, this house is clean. This house is clean. So do the thing on the internet. Find us, talk to us, rate it, review it, like it, love it, share it, and say hi. Because we love saying hi to you guys. We will catch you guys next week. Bye. 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 listening to the Geekscape Network.